0: And now we have to transition. I would say we have to transition a little, but we have to transition a lot. I've asked Josh to come up and have some background music for us. And the reason for that is we are really shifting gears. Um I never thought I would actually get undressed to music on the stage. <laughs> But I had to wear my Star Wars shirt today, but it wasn't super appropriate for the child dedication. So thank you, John. I asked... <laughs> Throw it out to the crowd. <laughs> I Oh, my goodness. I will never live this down, will I? Um, uh, this we had a. This is our, our, We're doing the series uh, on Spirit Wars, and it's interesting because we also did a series this year um, uh, that that we looked at. We didn't study the Beatles, but we had some things, some fun with the Beatles. And this is my shirt that combines the two. Um, but it's it's kind of this is for me. This is going to be a, a good series. It's going to be a fun series. But the important thing is that I know that it's what God wants us to do, and here's how I know. This is a series, we're calling it Spirit Wars, and it's about spiritual warfare. And I get, can I slide this over, Mike? Whenever, I'm scared to touch anything, because everything I touch breaks. That's what's happened this morning. Whenever we do anything about spiritual warfare, the enemy kicks it up. And this morning, just about everything didn't work. And I went down and some, uh, put the slides up on the, the TV in the foyer so that people could see the announcements and what's happening. And of course, it didn't work. It's worked every Sunday for like two years, and it didn't work today. And I kept hearing this quote in my head. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed <laughs> because technology is, is going to be one of the things that happens this week but, or this, this series. But that's perfectly okay. In your worship folder... You have an outline to follow along with. Um, there's really no fill-ins today, but there's some stuff on there that's important. And, and, I, and if you have that out, God might say something that's incredibly important to you that you want to write down. So as, as we look at this, I just want to say this. One of the reasons we're doing this is because I know some of you need hope. And what you might need is a new hope. You need a new hope. And the reason for that is because our enemy um, is, is striking back at us. He's getting at us. And we want um, the good that we had in our life to return. We want that, that return to happen. But the problem is we look at our backstory and we look at what happened before and there, there are these ghosts and phantoms in our life, like phantom menaces in our life. And what they do is they cause the things in our life that kind of this looks like this, looks like this, but God uses them to attack us. And the enemy has revenge on us. And so what we want is we want that power and that force in you to awaken so that during this spiritual battle, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be one of the ones that goes rogue or has bad things happen to you. And we certainly don't want you to think that you are the last one, the only one in this battle. We want you to be able to have power to not do it alone. And here's what I know. About 90% of you heard that and it's like, okay. And the other 10% of you were like, "I, I recognized everything he said as one of the episodes of Star Wars. <laughs> and it really doesn't matter which side of, uh, of that you're on. We're, we're going we're, we're to have a good time with this, but I think what we're going to do is we're going to learn some important things because what we're going to talk about is how to win. That's what this series is about. There is a battle going on. C.S. Lewis said there, there's two errors. They're like equal and opposite errors that, that Christians fall into when they look at this spiritual battle that's going on. The first error is they see Satan behind every bush and in everything. You know, I'm, I'm exercising the demon of bad hair day. You know, I don't do that, but there's, they see him in absolutely everything. And and that's all they see, and that's all they talk about. The other error is they don't see him in anything. And they assume that it doesn't exist. And that's what he would love for you to do, is to just not know that he's there and not understand what he's doing. So we want to get a little bit clearer on that today because I want you to win. So to kick this off... We spent, um, I don't remember what it was, six, seven weeks um, after Easter talking about the church. Remember, uh, what's the big deal about church? We talked a little bit about the history of the church and what it is and how the thing that kicked the church off, the thing that got everything going, the greatest event in all of history was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. The biggest thing that had ever happened. The church is built on the truth of the resurrection. Without it, We as a church don't need to exist. If there's no resurrection, we don't need to be here because that's what everything is based on. And because of it, we can absolutely change our world with the good news. The good news is Jesus is alive. As a church, we make three bold claims, big claims, bold claims, and everything hinges on these. Here's the three claims. The first one, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Jesus died for the sins of the world. He became, the Bible says, he became our sin and suffered the penalty that our sin had brought on us so that we could be forgiven by God. The second big, bold claim we talked about in that series that we just finished, Jesus rose again. That wasn't the end. He walked out of the tomb. He appeared to many people, gathered with the disciples, launched the church, you know, ascended back to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. He is alive. And the third big, bold claim that we make is anyone, anyone who places their full faith in Jesus Christ is born again and changed forever, welcomed into God's family forever. Now, these claims that we make are not new. They've been the foundation of the church for 2,000 years now. It's not something we came up with. It's something God came up with. It's His plan. You know how many times in history they've said, we're going to do away with this. There's not going to be this church anymore. And people have all worried about it. And, oh, we're only one generation from there being no church. Here's what I know. There is no more powerful thing on the planet than the church its demise has been pre- pre- predicted hundreds of times, and it stands strong and is growing all over the planet. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, Christ died to take away our sins. As the scriptures predicted, and that's very important because that his story, Jesus' story, all of that is talked about in the Old Testament. And just like it was predicted, he died to take away our sins. He was placed in a tomb, it says. He was brought back to life on the third day as the scriptures predicted. It wasn't some, you know, wow, that was surprising. It was surprising to the people who didn't know what the Bible said, but it had been talked about for generations. So as I said, we're starting a new series today, and it's called Spirit Wars. It's about spiritual warfare, and this is very important. Here's the biggest point that I I want to make in this, because this is important. Because Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and all darkness, all who follow him get to walk daily in his resurrection power and authority. We get to walk in victory instead of defeat. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because the fact is too many of us live in defeat. Sometimes it's just because of things we've done, choices we made, people around us have made choices and it causes us to live in that defeat. Sometimes it's because we understand there's this battle going on and we assume that we've lost already. We've already decided that, yeah, I know what my life is like. We've decided we can't win, you know, I'm not winning, I have no chance of winning. I know too many people, I talk to way too many people who don't think winning is even possible for them. So what happens is in a desperate struggle to find some kind of happiness and fulfillment, we kind of play to, you know, just not lose. That's the big thing in the hopes that we won't be completely miserable. But that's never been God's intention for how we are supposed to live life. His intention for how we live was very clearly conveyed in Scripture, and it's, it's, it's very um, clearly conveyed in Paul's prayer for the church. And what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of do a flyover of this today and, and hit some of the high spots. So don't worry. It'll be easy. It'll be just like Beggar's Canyon back home. So Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15, um, kind of an extended passage. It will be up on the screen. It's also on your notes, but you can just listen. Here's what he says. Ever since, Paul says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. And here's, he's going to tell us, here's what I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. One of the first things we'll look at. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. And we'll, we'll talk about that for a second. And then in verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same power, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world but also in the world to come God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he has made him Jesus head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body it is made full and complete by christ who fills all things everywhere with himself so what i said is we're just going to kind of do a flyover of this i want you to see these main points because i want you to understand that you can win the battle you don't have to live in defeat and think that the best i get is maybe to not lose so bad that there is a possibility of winning. And in order to do that, you have to understand what God wants for you. And we know that God wants it for you because this is what Paul was praying for them. It's really what he's praying for us too. It's what I pray for you guys on a regular basis, daily. This is what God wants for you. Here's the first thing. God wants you to grow in your knowledge of Him. In other words, to take your first steps into a larger world. Here's the thing. Too many people... They hear this, I want to grow in my knowledge of God, and they think it's about knowing the Bible. Is it important to know the Bible? Yes. Spent 45 years studying this to be able to present it to other people. Incredibly important. But what he's praying here is not just about knowing the Bible. It's about knowing God through an intimate relationship with him through his son jesus it's not head knowledge i know a lot of people who have head knowledge of the bible they can answer all the trivia questions about the bible but they don't live like jesus this is about experiential knowledge that's what the word means it's about it's about experiencing god and really knowing him now in order to do that we have to know what the bible says we have to understand enough of it to know that, to get to know God, because that's how we get to know him. But he doesn't just want us to have the head knowledge. He wants us to have that experience as well. Paul says in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. And it's the same kind of knowledge, that experiential, excuse me, knowledge. I want to, (laughs) I needed a drink of water I came very close out of my peripheral vision (laughs) to picking that up. I think I'll move that a little farther away. I'll explain that at the end. Um, That was close. I'm glad nobody had a camera up when I did that. Here's what he says. I want to know Christ. And that's actually, if, if you ask me, what is your life's goal? It's to know Jesus. To know Jesus. There is nothing more important at the end of my life I will not say, as I'm, as I'm on my deathbed, I wish I had a nicer car. It won't matter. I wish I had a bigger house. It won't matter. What will matter is Jesus. I won't ask for stuff to be brought around me. I'll ask for people to be brought around me because the people in my life are important. But there is nothing more important to me than Jesus. That's, we, we talk about this in our family all the time. He's my number one. Julie's my number two. The family, some of the family you saw here, the rest in the second service, my family is my number three. And this church is my number four. So I have God is my number one, Julie's my number two. My family and extended family is number three and the church is number four. And the first time I said that in church, I, I thought, oh, people are going to get upset because they're like fourth on the list. you know? I can't tell you how many people come up to me and they said, you know what? We've never even been on anybody's list. To know that we're fourth on your list is a good thing. And we we joke about it, Julian, all the time, that people look at you funny in Walmart when you say something about her being my number two. It's like, what? (laughs) It's all context. You have to understand context. So I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see, God wants you to grow in your knowledge of Him. He wants you to experience Him. The second thing from that prayer um, coming from verse 18 is God wants you to live with a daily experience of hope. He wants you, in other words, to have a new hope. He wants you to live with hope. I believe with all my heart that Christians should be the most positive, hopeful people on the planet. Too many of them look like they're sucking on lemons all the time. It's like, who would want what you have if all you're ever doing is whining and complaining and looking sour all the time? I have hope, not just for this life, but for the life to come. And because of that, we should be positive. Our joy and enthusiasm should be absolutely contagious, spreading like wildfire because our king is alive and coming again with absolute power and victory over all things. That's how we're supposed to live. You see, when we talk about our hope, this is way more than wishful thinking. It's not, gee, I hope this is going to happen. That's not the kind of hope we're supposed to have. The kind of hope we're supposed to have is a settled fact. I know God's done this. I know He's going to do this in my life, and I know He's going to do this in the future. It's a fact, and because of that, I have hope, and God wants you to live with that daily experience of hope. We talk about this a lot because it's so important. There are a lot of things that you can go for a while without. You know, you can go for a little while without food and water, you know, and and housing and different things. But you cannot go without hope. When people lose hope, they've lost everything. So that's the second thing God wants you to have. The third thing is God wants you to walk in the power of the resurrection. There are two different words in the New Testament. That can be translated as power or authority, um, or two of these words at least, Paul uses in, these, in this passage, different words. The first one he talks about is the, the dunamis of God. It's like where we get the word dynamite. This is explosive power of God that can affect change in your life. You see, we too often think when we look at our situations and we look at what's going on around us, we think we're powerless. We can't do anything about it. And the truth is, if you know Jesus and have claimed Him as Lord and Savior, that it's not just a head knowledge, it's a heart thing, a relationship with Him, then you're never powerless, ever. We are never powerless when we follow Jesus. We have power to choose joy, regardless of what is going on in your life. Because of Jesus, you have the power to choose joy. And if you say, I can't because my circumstances are so hard, then your circumstances are bigger than your God. And that's backwards. It doesn't matter what is going on in our life. Jesus went to the cross, the most horrible, excruciating event that ever happened. And it said, he went there for the joy that was set before him. He understood that you could choose joy because there was a better thing. So we have the power to choose joy. We have the power to be healed in Jesus' name. And we must always remember that's according to his plan and not always our plan. Because our plan, we see this much. God sees this much. And we, we like to think, oh, I, I know quite a bit, God, and you really need to do this my way. God doesn't always think that way. And he's bigger than we are. But we have the power for that to happen, and I have seen it in so many ways in so many lives. We also have the power to overcome our circumstances. When you think that you can't do something, the truth is you probably can't, but when you live with the power of Jesus, he can do it through you. He can overcome those hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Those things in your life that you thought were not possible to overcome, he can do that because of his power. We have the power to win over temptation. There is no temptation ever that comes your way that you have to say, I'm totally powerless here. Because on your own you are, but when you know Jesus, you're not powerless. And he said with every single temptation, he also provides a way out. And so we're not powerless for that. We have the power to win over temptation. We have the power to become like Christ. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it said in that scripture, can be right here. So God wants you to walk in the power of the resurrection. The fourth thing, God wants you to claim the authority of Christ over you and through you. This is kind of a big deal because too many people, they want to think, Jesus, it said he's over all these things but then they want to stand off to the side and say, he's over all these things, not really me, but everything else in all of creation. And what we have to recognize, what Paul prayed for them, is especially in verses 20 to 23, we have to understand that when it says he's over everything, that's us too. We have to recognize but claim the authority of Christ over us so that it can happen through us. Because here Paul talks about the second kind of power. It's a different word, excusia. It's a diff- different word. But it's talking about the kingdom authority that God has over everything, over all the powers of darkness. And that's what Jesus has been given. We have things in our life that happens like, I don't think Jesus can handle this one. It's like, are you kidding? He's over everything. There's nothing he's not over. We've experienced spiritual warfare in our family. I believe that often um, leaders kind of get a target painted on their back. And so when you decide to step up and lead and do something for Jesus and be bold like we talked about, you'll get a target painted on your back. And that's happened to us, and often it happens to the families. And we've seen that happen. And I have to admit, there have been times when it was like, oh, we can't do this. this and, and what took over was fear. Fear does not have to be any part of the equation because we have God's power. Jesus was given authority over everything. I can claim that when I claim his authority over my life and over the things in my life, and I don't have to worry. And you'd say, well, there are a few things you have to worry about. No. It says be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, that means worry about nothing Pray about everything because Jesus has the power. So you might be sitting there thinking, that sounds really good. We can win before the battle begins. There's victory. But I'm having a really hard time right now. So, what I want to do is in this series, I want you to see who the enemies really are. Who the enemy really is. Because it's very easy to be looking at the wrong thing, the wrong enemy. Here's what we're going to do next week we're going to kind of unpack. This verse from Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says this For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. This is extremely important. One of the things you hear me say all the time here is if it's flesh and blood, it's not the enemy. This is where this comes from. That means the people who are doing bad things, they're not the enemy. The people who are hurting us, they're not the enemy. The people who are causing you grief, they are not the enemy. It says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. If it's flesh and blood, it's not the enemy. The person who's fighting you, who you think is the enemy, is just as much a victim as you are. There is an enemy. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places, all things we can't see. And what the enemy wants is he wants you to not think about those things, and he wants you to see the person in front of you as your enemy. And Jesus said the person in front of you is the one that you're supposed to love, like I did. And we understand there's a battle going on, but we, he's already won the war. There will be battles... And we want to see, how can we win those battles? The wars all where I, I read the last chapter. We win. It's a good thing. But there are battles in the meantime. How do we win those battles? How can you win those battles? That's what we want to look at. There are authority structures, this verse says, in, in the unseen spiritual world that are just as real as all of the authority structures in the flesh and blood world. So I've never seen that. That's what unseen means, okay? But remember, none of those are above the resurrected Christ. He has been placed above all of those things. For my ally is Jesus and a powerful ally he is, for you Yoda fans out there. Jesus has absolute authority over all authorities in heaven and on earth. Not taken by surprise in anything. And he's the one who has the authority. And here's the amazing thing. He grants that authority to his people and to his church. You don't have to live in defeat. In other words, when you follow Jesus, you have already won even before the battle begins in your life. That's how we can look at it. Now, you will still experience defeats and discouragements and setbacks and suffering. That's part of this broken world that we live in. But you get to know beyond the shadow of a doubt. The closer you get to him, the more you understand. You're a winner because Jesus has already won. That's who I've aligned with. I've already won. I don't have to worry about the setbacks and all those little things that happen. So here's where we're at today. It boils down to one question. Have you believed in Jesus as your Savior and received him as your king have you placed your life under his full authority in faith because that's where it starts if you're if you're just playing church there is no authority and power there it's in Jesus and when you come into that relationship with him you realize it's not about coming to church it's not about all that stuff all that stuff's important but that's not what it's about it's about Jesus it's about a relationship with him And experiencing him, that's what's important. That's your starting ground. So I'm going to warn you, if you haven't done that, I would think very seriously about that this week. Because as we start talking about spiritual warfare, there is an enemy who's going to try to distract you and take you away from what's most important. And if you've never claimed Jesus as Savior, that's number one. That's most important. Start there. And have that same power that raised him from the dead as part of your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Father, there is, um, I'm sure there's as many stories here today as there are people. And I know that there's, there's many things that uh, people have come in with, hurts and struggles and, and problems and, and, and issues and things that maybe to them seemed insurmountable. So, Father, for those people who have already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, they've claimed Jesus as Savior and Lord, my prayer is that we would understand what you want so that we would be able to have that that hope and that joy and that we would be able to walk in your power, that we would understand your authority over us and through us in this world, that you are above everything. And, Father, for those here who have never experienced that, it's been about church about religion, about rules and rituals and regulations and requirements. And it, it, it's not been about that relationship that this morning they would hear that still small voice, that gentle whisper that says, that's why you're here. You're here because you don't, you don't need all that stuff. You need Jesus first. You need to take it from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. You need to say, Jesus, I believe that you came and died for my sin. I believe that you rose again, and I believe that when I claim you as my Savior who paid for my sin, place my life in your hands as Lord. When I make that you turn from my way to your way, I become a child of the King, and I get that kingdom authority. So I pray, Father, anybody here who's never done that would in simple faith turn to you today. We love you, and it's in your Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Do you know that? Because you can know that. If somebody asks you, Are you going to heaven? you don't have to say, I hope so. You can say, I know that. There's actually a punctuation error on that song I want to correct. It said, I will run through heaven's streets, you know, run through the streets of gold, shouting, Christ alone. And, and there's an exclamation point on Christ. And then afterward, it said alone. And if you read it the way it was written, it's, I'm going to be running through the street shouting Christ, and I'm going to be alone. <laughs> Here's the deal. I am not going to be alone because I want to bring every single one of you with me. And we are going to be running through the streets of gold shouting Christ alone because Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So if you have not come into a relationship with him today, especially as we move into a series talking about the enemy that we are fighting, you need to have Jesus here. So if you have asked Him to be your Savior today, if you've prayed in your words and asked Him or you would like to talk to somebody, there are communication cards like this. I don't know what color they are, but on the back by the joy box where the offering goes in, you can fill that out. Let us know that. We'd love to be a part of this journey with you. If you want to talk to somebody, find somebody who is smiling. You know, some people have a thing that says, I can help, Uh, one of the praise team members. We would love to introduce you to Jesus today. So, Father... We love you. Thank you that what Jesus did on the cross could take care of our past, that we could be forgiven for our past regardless of what has happened, that we could live today with meaning and purpose in life, that we could have a living hope for the future under the authority of Christ, seeing that work in and through us so that we do not have to live in fear. Father, my prayer is that anybody who has never experienced that would today turn their life over to you and understand that there is an incredible change that happens and will continue to happen for the rest of their life because of that. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.